Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. Every episode, we explore this topic with fantastic men and women who have some incredible stories to tell us, and many have made sharing the reality of life after death their life's purpose. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller, We Don't Die, a skeptic's discovery of life after death. And here with me today, I have a magnificent human being. I have Louis Monero, and I just spent a few minutes talking to Louis just before we press the record button. And he is so extraordinary that I even told him that I think I'm going to botch up explaining to the world who he is because after watching a YouTube video that I just saw him at, there's a whole new world of possibility that I didn't even know existed. So I'll let him explain all the details, but some of the things that I just got out of uh, this YouTube video is Lewis is the education director globally of something called the IAC, the International Academy of Consciousness. And they study something called conscientology, and Lewis will correct me if I said that wrong, because I think I did. But it's the study of the soul, the spirit, and most specifically, the phenomena of out-of-body experiences. And as we know, we've spoken with some of our guests have had near-death experiences. And out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, that is our soul leaving our bodies. Um Lewis is a brilliant man. He speaks English, Spanish, Portuguese, and German. He's toured around the globe talking about out-of-body experiences. He's been featured on a number of television and radio programs around the world. He's been the subject of interviews in magazines, newspapers, and periodicals. Uh, He's just brilliant. So I do know that this is a brand new subject for me, something I don't know anything about. So I'm going to welcome Lewis to the show and have him tell us more about the world that he lives in. So hi, Lewis. Hi, how are you doing, Sandra? (laughs) I'm great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. And talk, could you talk just a little bit about yourself? Because it's, I I did an introduction, but I just want to hear more. what, What has a person like you go into a field like this obviously i'm guessing it started at a young age that you must have been fascinated is that right it did exactly exactly when what happened actually in my case is that i had my first uh, out-of-body experience which was involuntarily spontaneous when i was 12 and uh and at that time i didn't know that there was a name for it or you know techniques or anything really i just had it 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 was pretty obvious that I was outside my body. What, what do you but, mean? Can you just be a little more specific about sure, that? Sure, like what I, I, that sure. I can, like? I can tell you the experience. I okay, was uh, sure. in my bedroom and um, I actually had at that time, this was in the early 80s, I had a computer. Uh, maybe listeners are going to laugh at this, but the brand was Atari. So <laughs> it's, it's not a game actually, but it was it was an actual computer that had a, a basic, you know, the programming language. Right. And I used to come home from school and you know um, fool around with it, do little programs, you know, uh, at that age, really just uh, a kid playing with the computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that afternoon, I actually became sleepy, and I went to, you know, it was in my bedroom, so I I lie down in my bed, 
And maybe about a half an hour later, I remember I was staring at the screen, still with my hands on the keyboard, the way I would always, you know, uh, spend sometimes a time thinking about the program. And after a while, it sort of like dawned on me that I remember having gone to bed. And when I realized this, I turned around and I saw my bed and my body in the bed. And I immediately went into the body. I was a little surprised, but I woke up and I realized I was out there, but I was here, (laughs) but I was out there. So I really couldn't make sense of it. But it was very obvious for me that I had been outside my body. But the experience was, you know, so normal, so natural. And I think probably after that, somebody called me to go play soccer and I just completely forgot it, you know, just like uh, any any kid that is into a hundred different things. Right. But then I kept having them more or less every, no, not too often, you know, every eight months, every year, every year and a half or so. Um, I even remember maybe when I was around 15 or so, 16, even sometimes thinking, I, you know, I wish I can have that type of like cool dream, I guess. I really didn't even know what to call them. Um, and it wasn't until I was maybe like 16 or 17 that I read the first book on it. And then that author you know, explained that, uh, you know, he called it astral travel Mm -hmm. and he had a couple of techniques and everything. And um, uh, really, since I had them since since an early age, even though I studied chemistry, which sometimes people think that it's a little bit contradictory, you know, the the scientific mind, you know, with the spiritual experiences, so to speak. Uh, But in, in, in my perspective, it's not a contradiction at all. The fact that, you know, we, we can have these experiences and that we can develop these experiences doesn't mean we need to lose our, our logic, our discernment, you know, our, uh, our associations of ideas. And actually that even helps outside the body because we keep on being very grounded, very stable and, you know, uh, always questioning things, being a healthy skeptic. <laughs> I love so, that. And, and even on the, the YouTube video, don't believe anything, experiment, have your own experiences. You're not out trying to tell anybody what is. It's like you want people to experience it themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And because it's if, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you know, even though we we do a certain amount of research and we try to provide, you know, more like the conventional data about the out-of-party experiences, what we have seen really is that uh, what helps people the more, more especially in the sense of the the idea of proof, is that when they have the out-of-party experience, you know, even if the reports or the amount of conventional data hasn't accumulated enough, for, you know, the scientific community to conclude that, you know, the out-of-party experiences are real, for the person, it's already real. The person doesn't need to wait, you know, 10 or 20 years, you know, for, yes. for that consensus to be arrived at. So, so we see the benefits that come to them, you know, by having an out-of-party experience. Yes. Every person I've spoken to who's had a near-death experience or has been with a loved one at the moment, of death and you know sometimes the loved ones can actually see through the veil and um they they're so awesome that they leave the person living a different kind of life so that that's what it sounds like is you know when people have the out of body experience they it's like they wake up to some new reality and then they can they don't have to wait for the consensus to come 20 years later that oh yeah that's true um and and it causes them to have a different kind of life um so the title of this show 
Lewis, is we don't die. So coming from your analytical background and out-of-body experiences, how would you uh, describe your thoughts about life after death and that we don't die? Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I would, first of all, I would agree 100%. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, we, we certainly don't die. You know, the, meaning the physical body certainly is deactivated. Yes. You know, with, uh, it goes away. The physical body is like, a, you know, like a machine, like a vehicle, like a car after so many miles. And mm -hmm. there aren't enough uh, spare parts, I guess, to right? to put in there. You know, the, the, the vehicle gets tired and, you know, it passes away. But we... You know, us, the essence, the the soul, the spirit, or the consciousness, as we call it, uh, we keep on living. We keep on having experiences. We can, um, just like in near-death experiences, we can meet deceased relatives. We can encounter other spiritual beings. And we are back at uh, in these uh, astral or spiritual planes or dimensions from where we came from, in essence. And um, something that is interesting about the out-of-body experience, of course, is that the person, just like in the, in the case of the near-death experience, the person can have the experience, verify this on their own, and then come back and continue living their life without necessarily having, you know, uh, fear of death or hesitation because of this, uh, you know, future transition into those realms. Wow. I'm at a loss for words. I don't know what to ask you next. So keep talking <laughs> if you would. Okay. okay um, sure. Yeah, I, I really am because you've cracked the door open on a, a new world. And even though I know about near-death experiences and I, you know, I, I want to share something because you're talking about out-of-body experiences. And throughout my life, it's only happened maybe a dozen times, but there have been moments that I am in my bed and I am awake and I am clear about that but I'm I feel like I'm at the point just before sleep and I have had experiences that are as real to me as when I'm wide awake I can feel with every sense there but there's mm -hmm. things like flying above the ocean or above the mountains or so I don't know if I'm a bird or not but or I've been driving in a car but it is as real to me as what I feel right now it's it's not a dream um, because I can smell I can right. feel the wind I mean it is so real and then what normally has happened is that it scares me and then all of a sudden I open my eyes like well what was that because if I try to stay there it's something like my conscious mind has kicked in and then that knocks me out of it so I don't know if that is an out-of-body experience it, I would kind of think so um, but it's it, you know, it, it, it sounds like it. I mean, it would be it would be very difficult for me to to 100 uh, percent sure that it is. But but it sounds like it by by your description, because when we are in an out of body experience, we feel as aware, as conscious as the waking condition. Yes. The right now, even sometimes, you know, in our in our classes to our students, I, I sort of like joking but also trying to put this question out to them for them to see the difference, you know. I tell them at this moment, for example, that you're listening to our class or even to our listeners at this moment, you know, when, whenever they listen to this, uh, to this conversation here between us, you know, they can think, you know, am I dreaming this, uh, this show that I am hearing or right. am I aware, awake of it? And of course, I'm sure nobody's going to need to pinch themselves. They all know that they are awake and aware. 
And then in this same condition, exactly in the same condition, we find ourselves outside the body when we're having a classical, typical OBE. So we don't we don't really confuse it with a dream, and we don't really confuse it also with being uh, awake. We know that we are in some different kind of state, but um, but very conscious, very very lucid. Oh, that's incredible. And, yeah, and that, by the way, is something that you know can be developed, can be learned. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit like a sport or like developing any skill. It's, really? it's a matter of yeah, it's a matter of receiving some information, you know, training ourselves and the capacity goes on developing little by little, like learning how to read really or uh, how to ride a bicycle. That's good news. Um one of the things my book, which I'll send to you after, uh We Don't Die, um I talk about I've never had a near-death experience, but I've done a lot of studying into life after death, a whole bunch of different modalities, and some had some really cool medium experiences myself when I was out to prove that's impossible. Um, but one of the things I include within the pages of my book is remote viewing. And that, for anyone who's listening who doesn't right. ever heard that phrase, is kind of an ESP technique. It's seeing something that um, you're seeing with your mind and not with your eyes. I mean, you could have a friend in Australia and tell what's on their kitchen table, that sort of thing. And Lewis, the reason I include it in my book and actually give people some simple instructions to remote view is that when you have an experience like that, when you know something that you shouldn't be able to know consciously, it is one of those things where people say, and I even say, if I'm able to do that, you know, what else is possible? I, I can't be just my body. And by you talking about being able to um, teach out of body experiences and that people can practice it and get better, it almost seems to me that one doesn't have to have a near-death experience if one has an experience of an out of body experience it might be a wake up call that something else is possible and i think when that happens it's very easy to believe that life after death is real that their loved ones are still around that you know our life is for a purpose and we go on yes yes absolutely and you know we obviously also try to to study as much as we can or to gather as much information as we can of the near death experience but, um, you know, I sometimes also sort of joke with uh, with the students in the class and I tell them, I promise we won't try any near-death experiences. We'll only <laughs> try the out-of-body experiences that you know, are, are a little bit easier to control and, let's say, a little bit safer. <laughs> sure. You know, I was when I was watching the video on YouTube, I thought it was going to be real clinical and everything. And then you you know, make a few jokes and I thought, oh, I like this guy <laughs> because it can be a heavy subject or something that we don't really understand, but you, you put it into regular language and, um, and you're very real and very caring. So how would someone, I mean, obviously we can go to the IAC website, um, but I just, I want to learn more of out of body experience. How, how can we learn more? Is it something we need to go away to take a course in? Is it something we can get a book on? Um, yes, definitely. You know, there, there are books. I certainly have have my book. You know, uh, demystifying the out of body experience that you know people can can purchase. You know, Amazon anywhere really. Mm -hmm. 
uh, DIC, we also give classes, you know, all over the world, really. Um, you know, I'm here in California, so we give classes in Los Angeles, in the Bay Area, but also on the East Coast, in New York, in Florida, London, Australia, really, Germany, Spain. Wow. So um, uh, certainly people can uh, can contact us, and we also give online classes where, really? you know, we are able to get to more people. For example, sure. people in cities where, you know, they're not that close to the to an IC center. But and what we do is we of course give them all the instructions and we then we leave sort of like the, a lot of the techniques and the exercises as homework. And then the following day we are, you know, asking them how did it go and trying to give them instructions and ideas on how to improve and we go on like that, you know, so that they uh they're able to again to develop their own their own abilities. Um, you know, in, in that phrase, uh, of course, don't believe in anything, experiment, mm-hmm. have your own experiences. One of the biggest intentions, I guess, behind that phrase is that what we're trying is so that they develop their own experiences, so that they don't really have to believe in anything, not even in us, but so that they can really have their own direct observations and see, you know, um, uh, this, these realities uh, that we are such a part of, really. Yeah, I think within even religion, whatever it is that we're interested in, once we can find our own beliefs, it's like then we can have our own faith in something. And so to give people that experience, their own personal experience, they know what to believe in. Um, 20 years ago, if you were to tell me that I'd be studying life after death and have a book on it, Lewis, I would say there's no way ever. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. I don't believe in that. That's not my thing. Uh, you know, I think people are crazy that talk about that. And that that was the Sandra 20 years ago. And now the fact that I've had these experiences, my whole life has changed. My whole reason for being has changed. My urge to make a difference with a, like my life has gotten better and my urge to help my fellow man has been there and it's been a whole heck of a lot more fun as well yes How? you know go ahead I, I was just going to second that because for us you know uh certainly there's the the research aspect the scientific aspect you know all the things that we need to do in society you know mm-hmm. to subsist but uh on our opinion you know one of the best application uses of any capacity is precisely this to help to, to help others, you know, to improve their life. And, you know, um, this is really why we do it. We At the IEC, we're all volunteers. So we, wow. we do this because we see the benefit that comes, you know, to to people, you know, when they learn this or when they access this information. Have you seen people's lives change because they've discovered out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences? Yes, yes, I certainly have. And also, you know, some 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 people, of course, their lives change quite a bit and they didn't know too much about it before. Other people, sometimes they have had experiences that they are not able to understand. And, you know, when they come, they obviously now they can understand them and they can produce them a little bit more. So it helps them also, you know, with many things like, for example, again, even that the main topic here, you know, uh, um, overcoming the fear of death, right. you know, um, also encountering relatives that have already passed away, uh, understanding better what was their initial intention for coming into this physical life, meaning what was it that they had planned for themselves, their life mission, their life purpose. 
and uh, that as well gives a lot of sense and meaning to their to their activities here in the daily daily in the daily life. Can you talk a little bit more about both of those? I mean, we have, myself included, uh, and our listeners, We've many of us have experienced severe loss of a loved one. And with the near-death experience studies that you've done, do mm-hmm. you find that many people do see their loved ones when they've had a near-death experience? I've talked to both kinds of people some people see air out in the universe some just see colors some just see darkness and right right are there those that do experience their loved ones yes yes absolutely so there 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 are both kinds you know the kind that uh, certainly the experience is a little bit more abstract maybe i could say Mm -hmm. and uh and the other ones where they actually you know they find they're met by a group of people some of them they don't recognize but among those there are you know some relatives that have already passed away and uh, who communicate different things to them give them different messages uh etc etc so so yes we we certainly have have seen cases like that and um and you know with the out-of-body experiences as well you know you can be a body and you can find you know certain relatives of yours that have already passed away really (laughs) Yes, that certainly has happened to me, you know. So, um, so yes, and and I'm not, you know, alone here. Uh, You know, several of my colleagues, students, and, you know, different people have already had experiences with relatives, you know, that had already passed away. That is phenomenal. You know, one one of the things that we that we say that maybe might go along very well with this, uh, Mm -hmm. with the purpose of this show is. You know, we, we realize with all these uh, different types of experiences and studies that we really don't lose anybody. And, and I say this because sometimes a big sense of um, like the fear of, of death comes from the sense of loss and of separation. Yes. And really, in essence, we, we don't. We don't. We when we have out of body experiences or when people eventually pass away, you know, you go you go back and you go and you re-encounter all of these individuals, you know, that have had moved to the non-physical reality a little bit before you. You know, it's almost like moving to another city of sorts. And they are all there, they, you know, uh, all the dear ones. And if you allow me to make a little bit of a joke here, yes. I sometimes say, besides all the relatives that we really miss, that we go and we re-encounter, also we go out and we see all the ones that we would have hoped not to encounter again. (laughs) So that that cousin, you know, that we really didn't want to invite to the Christmas party, he's also there. So everybody is there. (laughs) I'm of the hope that some people get a little bit wiser when they cross over. And I know we retain our personalities, but I like to think the mean cousin is kind of a little bit nicer <laughs> yes 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 but but uh but what you mentioned is correct you know we we do retain our, our personality we are you know uh we are we are us we are ourselves and uh you know and we we find our our relatives and we realize they are also themselves of course um so we 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 certainly that's one of the the main reasons why people do you know or want to learn you know the OBEs because of the encountering of uh, of uh, loved ones and you know even with the with the idea of the verification something interesting about the out of body experiences 
you can leave the body and you can see something like in cases of near-death experiences, you can see something happening in the physical reality mm -hmm. that when you come back, you can confirm it. And of course, it's not a scientific study that can be replicated, but for the person, it's already, you know, enough, you can, know. Can you give an example of that? Sure, sure. And, and, and actually, let me even say so. another thing is you can have an out-of-body experience where you leave the body and a friend of yours also leave the body and then you have a joint experience. And now you come back, both of you, to your body and you both remember and that takes away the subjectivity sure from the experience because now you can both, you know, compare notes, so to speak. But the other kind is, you know, um, you can leave the body and you can go, for example, see a relative of yours that is alive right now. So you can go see, you know, your mother that is there in the kitchen washing the dishes, you know, with her overall of duckies and bunnies. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just trying to give a very detailed uh, example because when mm -hmm. you come back, you can call her and you can ask her, look, were you just washing the dishes with your overall like this and that? And she's going to confirm it. Uh, so you can certainly confirm it if you, you know, if you need to. Um, but many, one of the things that many people realize is that when you are in an out-of-body experience, and again, you're aware, awake, conscious, most of the times you go out, you see things, you come back, and most of the times I don't even call anymore because I already know it's true. I don't really need a confirmation because it would be almost like trying to confirm, you know, that I went to work today. If I know I went to work I don't really need to call my colleagues to ask them if it's hey, true that guess I was what? there. That is awesome. So not only can we use out-of-body experiences to pay a visit to somebody who's alive and well, and but we can do that to someone we've loved and their physical body's gone, that they've physically died. I mm -hmm. think that's awesome. And that leaves me wondering now you had mentioned this earlier about choosing our life and why we're here and it sounds to me like you're saying that before we got here uh maybe we made a decision to come here and learn some things is, is that am i onto right. it is can yes. you expand upon that because i know for myself um no matter what beliefs I have, I've had some tremendously terrible days and it's hard right. to grasp that there's a learning experience in there for me. Um, but also, you know, that it, maybe just talk a little bit more about that because I think it'll help put our lives in perspective and, and why we're here or what your thoughts are. Right, right. And, you know, it, it um, what we see is that it implies different things for different people. But just like in the case of, uh, you know, individuals that have near-death experiences, uh, that they, you know, pass away and many times they're having this conversation with this being that I'm just generally speaking going to call him the spirit guide. Sometimes in, in those types of experiences, they are shown, you know, why they shouldn't pass away just just yet, and what other things they still should, you know, uh, should accomplish. Mm -hmm. and, and these are not things necessarily that, you know, the spirit guide is asking them to do, but really the spirit guide is just showing them what were their initial intentions, their initial uh, tasks or projects that they wanted to accomplish by coming into the physical life, and that, you know, obviously they had forgotten or they had gone, you know, into a, into a different trajectory. 
and um, and obviously the spirit guide is showing them that so that they can come back and now with this you know being more aware and with this knowledge they can choose to you know go back at doing what they wanted to accomplish to start with and um, you know using the out of body experience something that we see is that there is a certain places um, let me call them a range of dimensions for now where we where we observe that there are people who before coming into the physical life they are also planning their main tasks and their main projects and realizations and lessons in the case of of some individuals um, and of course we we start to wonder you know and, and or we can gather information outside the body also about what was our intention hmm. what was it that we or the reason why we wanted to come into this physical life and and um, go through the human experience what was it that we wanted to accomplish do you have your own answer for that for yourself y yes in in my case you know uh, one of them that the main things that uh, I realized that I needed to be doing here and that I am doing here is precisely this work of you know trying to help people with their out-of-body experiences to understand you know um, that there is more than just simply this physical life. And, um, you know, I dedicate a lot of time to this. And like I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a volunteer. We're all volunteers, actually, at the IEC. But we do it with, you know, with a lot of pleasure. We see the, the effects on people, uh, you know, how much their life changes simply because they are able to understand, you know, uh, certain concepts better. And also because they're able to develop their own their own abilities. They are able to have their own direct observations. So um, this is certainly a big part of, of mine. Of Definitely. My and when you're living your life's purpose, I think it doesn't occur as work. It's pleasure. Anytime you make a difference with another human being and see someone's eyes light up or let them have an experience that they've never had, I mean, that's incredible amount of pleasure. Yes. So that's... And Go ahead. And I'm and I'm sure, Sandra, that uh, with your show here, a lot of the listeners, you know, as they listen to you and listen to you interview different individuals, I'm sure they have probably the same reaction, that they start to understand much better, you know, that their life, they start to realize, you know, that their experiences, if, you know, maybe they, they haven't understood them so far, but by listening to different interviewers, they start to realize, oh, okay, so I'm not alone. You know, they also had the same experience that I did. That's a big and thing, uh, Lewis. When yeah. I first wanted to write this book, I and I talked to a publisher, I thought they were going to think I was crazy. I mean, I really had it that no one wanted to hear my story, that people would think I'm crazy, that I was completely alone. There was so much fear. And then when I started telling people, since somebody would say, oh, I had a near-death experience, or this happened to me, or my mother came to me in a dream, um, or, you know, those kind of things. And once I opened my mouth sharing about it, suddenly other people who have had experiences felt like, well, gee, if Sandra is talking about this, I can tell her my story. So I think it's just an element of fear that we many of us have as human beings it's part of being human to think we're alone to think we're separate but there's so much of this that other people have experienced and it gives me a great deal of pleasure to know that out-of-body experiences are something that 
not only people share but it can be learned you don't have to be in a car accident you don't have to have your last few breaths of life and be resuscitated to have one of these experiences it's tremendous let me ask you something else about fear because I know fear is something I wake up with most days and there's things I don't want to do has your research has your experience has everything you've learned about uh, out-of-body experiences has it helped you any way or others deal with fear and being able to be courageous because um, I've got this instinct that when we're not afraid of dying uh, we won't right. be afraid of living right and and, and and you're right yes in, in my case really I, I don't know if there has been such a difference just because I started having them so young really right. I, I, at this moment I cannot imagine myself uh, without them so it, it was never really um, it, it really never came through my mind the idea of the fear of death but uh, what I see, for example, from even colleagues or, you know, other people that I've, that I've interacted with is that, yes, it helps them uh, tremendously to, to overcome the fear of death. And, um, you know, also sometimes we have certain insecurities or little phobias or um, certain fears, again, some of them not so little, that originate from this basic fear, which is the fear of death and the mm -hmm. fear of dying. And, of course, when people lose the fear of death and the fear of dying, all of these other things have no reason for existing, and they also drop. And the end result is you end up with a person who is much more open and grounded and stable. And you mentioned they're courageous. I, I would even add an adjective there. I would say especially morally courageous. They are able to say things to other people, even though they might be difficult, if they realize that they are constructive where sometimes, right. you know, you are, otherwise you are hesitating, you don't want to do it. <laughs> exactly. So um, so we see that. We see that people are much more transparent, honest, uh, confident, and all of that really, uh, it's, it's very beneficial for, for individuals for the rest of their life and very hard to measure, you know, because oh, sure. how, how do you measure, you know, authenticity in a person? It's it's difficult. We we feel it somehow, but there isn't like a like a ruler, you know, like a like three feet of authenticity versus you know one mile. But uh, but the person realizes even in the even the person itself they realize and they say I am a, I am much more confident now than before. I am much more authentic now than before. I am much more grounded now than before. And you know uh, that obviously it's. It's great to see for, for their life. It is. And I think there's also a level, if you know who you are, and you, I mean, we might not have all the answers, but if we do know that we're this spiritual being here on earth and that our life is for a purpose and we've picked it um, and that we can't ultimately die, I think some of the little stuff is no longer running our lives. We're no longer thinking of... Uh, we're not maybe complaining so much because we know we're in the driver's seat of our life. You know, we're responsible. Um, our relationships can be better because we can see the machinery in other people. We can see um, maybe their humanness. And I think that like you, like me, there's this element of being able to tap into what's really in our heart um, and, and then 
pursue that and make a difference with other people. Um, I talked to one lady who's an inventor that she got out of uh, having her near-death experience. She's now super creative. Um, there's a once you get to that level of authenticity and vulnerability, and you know who you are. I think, I think you can accomplish some great things. Yes. Yes, people definitely become more effective, you know, uh, in their life uh, f- from that point onwards as they as they have already left behind, you know, the, the fear of death and the fear of dying. And, you know, th- that fear is, is a little funny in the sense that when we are younger, we obviously don't think too much about it because right. statistically it's further away, right? It's a reality yes. that is much further away. But as the decades start to pile up, <laughs> um, you know, and that reality starts to come closer. Sometimes we still don't talk about it, but we, we start to spend a lot more time and a lot of our mental space is dedicated to trying to make sense of the fact that us, as we know ourselves, or as we know ourselves in the physical uh, reality, we're going to cease to exist. And uh, that's why I think uh, the near-death experiences and the out-of-body experiences are so interesting because when you leave the body, you realize I am more than my physical body. I am more than just simply a citizen of country X or I am not only the son of my father and my mother, but we are all, you know, spiritual beings that go way beyond time and space. And, you know, and the person realizes this on their own. And, and, and that gives them a sense of identity that is greater than just simply this one life. Oh, that's so inspiring. I have one last question. And I know we've gone over our half hour, but that's just the way it is. It's my show. I can do what I want, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's my question to you. And this might come from interviewing people that have had out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences. But I know we no longer are are our bodies and we no longer have this piece of flesh that we're carrying around but do we still have the five senses do we still is there tasting is in an out-of-body experience or smelling or hearing and things like that or is it more of a like a mental ability i had made a comment in my book and oh got all kinds of people hot and bothered about it i say there's no chocolate in heaven and I don't say it like literally that there's no chocolate, but the, you know, it's my belief. And again, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's my belief that while we're here on earth, that we do get to enjoy this body with the five senses. And there's some clarity on some things that we have because we have the senses. So to have a piece of chocolate on my tongue here on the physical plane in this my own opinion, I think would be different than like imagining a piece of chocolate on my tongue. And do you, from people you've interviewed or info that you've gathered, have any sense of do we retain a physical body in the hereafter or out in an out-of-body experience? The, 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 the senses of the physical body, right? Right. Um, you know, I would say... Well, first of all, let me say I haven't seen any chocolate out there. <laughs> and probably that is the problem, you know, that I haven't seen it out there. But in terms of the senses, really, our senses out there are richer, I would say. You definitely oh, smell, okay. you definitely see, you definitely hear, you can definitely even taste, 
you know, uh, different things, even though you're not eating anything. But uh, sometimes really your, your senses are richer. Sometimes I, I use the word it's almost like a, like an intuition, but it's um, um, a multimedia intuition where you are receiving sensorial input that comes in a visual fashion. And it also comes in um, auditory fashion and in a smelling fashion hmm. and also in a tasting fashion. So you can you can feel all of that. And and uh, certainly these are the the abilities that, uh, you know, let's say the non-physical body or the astral body, as people have traditionally called it. These are the abilities that that body has. It can, it can really sense, you know, everything uh, and even in a much in a much richer fashion. Now. Okay. I'm glad you're mentioning this because I got not just about the chocolate, but somebody wrote to me that lost their son and said, do you mean I can't hug them when I get to heaven? Ah, and you... I just, and to be honest with you, Lewis, I didn't write in the book about that to say that we don't have any senses when we cross over. It was more so while we're on earth, live in the present moment, enjoy the sunrise, listen to the music, enjoy that chocolate on your tongue. You know, that yeah. we spend so much time in our own heads and thinking that we miss reality. Yeah. So it kind of backfired on me, but I just, what were you going to say? You were going to say something yes. along those lines. No, but but you're right. Certainly, uh, you know that the uh, sensations outside the body are different. So I, I would certainly encourage people, you know, to enjoy the chocolate <laughs> with moderation, <laughs> uh, but still enjoy it. <laughs> you right. know, sunsets you can get as many as you want. You know. Yeah. Um, but um, so the senses are different, just simply outside the body. They, you have different possibilities. So it's good to enjoy the things that are, you know, that we are experiencing here in the physical reality uh outside the body we can experience even more richer things but they are different they are certainly different the the idea that i was going to mention just a moment ago is that these abilities of the astral body to hear to see to smell are actually what while we are inside the body gives rise to these abilities like clairvoyance uh even remote viewing is actually the ability to the normal ability in which the astral body sees. Because when we are outside the body, we can displace our sight to see our friend in Australia right. and come back. It's just that outside the body is very easy. But while we are inside the body, because the physical body restricts us, we need to train ourselves to be able to use that ability while we are inside the body. But some people have clairvoyance, the ability to see, mm -hmm. you know, something non-physical while they are physical. Other people are more predisposed for clairaudience, mm -hmm. and they, they can hear things uh, that are not physical while we are they are inside the body. Some people have clairgustance, and they can uh, taste things that uh, are more non-physical. Some people have clairolfactance, <laughs> and they smell smells that are non-physical smells. So really, these are all the abilities of the of the astral body that again. Once we are outside the body, it's like, um, I don't know if I can say uncaged. Yes. <laughs> it's it's out of the uh, physical envelope, let's put it this way, so as not to call it a cage. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, and then, you know, it can express its uh, its senses, you know, more more fully, the the astral body. So we, we do have senses. They're, they're very richer, but they're different from, from, they behave differently than the physical reality or than the physical senses. So I would certainly 
agree with you and encourage people to enjoy, you know, the the physical life. You oh, know. definitely. But it's nice to hear that there's still going to be a rich sense of experience. Yes. And, and just to, you know, something that you mentioned there that might be interesting to add, for the lady that was asking you if she can hug her son, she can. When, when, when we are outside the body, the astral body can go through any physical thing. So really we can go through walls, uh, even like people who are in near, near death experiences, they describe it, that they go through the roof as if it was nothing. And it's exactly the same thing outside the body. Um, but you do, even though you go across or through anything that is more physical or anything from the physical reality, you don't go through yourself. So with one of your hands, you can touch, for example, and you can grab your other hand and your other arm and you can inspect it and you realize that there is something there, like a, like a substance, like a mass. It's obviously a different body than the physical one, but you realize that you can, you know, that you're there. And by the same token, when you find somebody outside the body, if you are in the, at the same level, let me say at the same frequency, if you're like in phase, you can touch them and you can hug, hug them and you can shake their hands and, you know, give them a very warm hug. So um, it's absolutely possible. So I don't know if she will be listening to this show, but uh, uh, there's plenty of moms that have lost their children are listening. Yes. I guarantee you that. And it even in, it makes me happy that I get to hug my dad and my grandmother again. Yeah. Exactly. What I know I said that was my last question, but it's not. What are you, what's this one might be. Um, What's the point, do you think, of being here on Earth, having a body, coming here, having these experiences, if we're really some greater creature? Yes, in, in, in a very general sense and maybe a little bit uh, high-end philosophical sense, okay. it, it's, it's really learning, it's really developing, it's really uh, being able to overcome the challenges and being able to see them or, or to learn to see them in a, in a constructive sense and uh, to, to move beyond that and to overcome them. But in, in, generally speaking, this is, um, this is what we see, you know, that um, most people are trying to, to, um, to develop, really be, becoming a better person as well, becoming a better individual. That uh, that as well. It's a it's a very very big um, key component of that. And what we see is that most people, you know, they develop, they evolve. This that um, you know sometimes people like to call popularly of uh, uh, spiritual development or inner growth. Um, we certainly learn a lot in school, in formal education. But I would say what helps people the most to develop. Uh, personally, in, in the sense of inner growth, is really life experience. Yes, and, I agree. And not so much, you know, that the titles or the PhDs and you know, uh, all of this. That, of course, physical society values a lot, rightfully so, I would say. But it's it, it's it's something greater. It's more really becoming a better person. Mm, and we learn it better too when we can experience something as opposed to just learning something in the classroom. Exactly. When we're and, 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 you know, sometimes I, I give that that specific example, you know, being out there, you know, without a body is almost like being in college and then coming here into the physical life is now we sort of like know certain things. Now we come into the hands on trying to really put it in practice. And sometimes it takes us 
a few attempts until we get it right. Really. Can, can I borrow that when I talk to people? I think that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> that makes sense. It paints a picture. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, uh, when you leave college and you go to the real world to work, and there is an entire other learning that you need to do that nobody ever sure told me. Is. Oh, thank you so much. I do think um, our time is coming to an end, though. Um, but, Louis, thank you from the bottom of my heart for opening up a, a new doorway that I didn't even know existed. And My, my pleasure, Sandra. Really, uh, this is this is what we do, so I thank uh, you oh. for the opportunity. Yeah, and I just want to explore more. So, for our listeners, you can visit the iacworld.org. That's correct, right? www.iacworld.org. Yes. Yes, and that, is, that is correct. Any other, tell me the name of your book again, would be great. The name of the book is Demystifying the Out of Body Experiences. Demystifying the Out of Body Experiences. Okay, that's great. We can find that on Amazon. Yes, you can find it on Amazon. Also, there is a, the website of the book oh. is learnobes.com. Learnobes. It says OBES, right? Exactly. OBES.com. LearnOBES.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for all of us, um, on the website, WeDon'tDieRadio.com is the website where I'm going to post a link to this conversation with Louis Monero. And also you can see some some of our past guests uh, were. And also, I'll have his links to the book, to IAC World, and maybe even this YouTube video that I'm going to continue watching as soon as we're done. And I thank you. So I want to leave everyone with this quote by Benjamin Franklin. I look upon death to be as necessary as the constitution of sleep. We shall rise refreshed in the morning. I want each of us to remember that we don't die. We don't. And our life is important and it's for, for a purpose. And just imagine that we've left college and here we are out in the field. So thanks again, Louis Monero. I really appreciate you being our guest. And thank you to our listener and we'll see you soon. <music>